Do you like sports? Cause we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Shack. Sports Shack. It's Sports Shack. And welcome to episode 290 of the Sports Yak Podcast. Oh, you mean the Johnny Unitas episode. Johnny Unitas. Love that haircut. Oh, the beautiful buzz cut on the Baltimore Colts quarterback who led them to NFL championships, three-time NFL MVP, went to the University of Louisville after Frank Leahy, the Notre Dame coach, told him he was too skinny. Oh. to play quarterback at Notre Dame, and he would get killed out on the football field. Apparently, he was only about 145 pounds when he started playing quarterback at Louisville, then drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers, who said, no, you're not good enough to play quarterback here. What did the Steelers do during the 50s and 60s while the Colts were winning championships? Not much, but Johnny Unitas went to Baltimore and became a legend you think about 290 touchdown passes during that era mm-hmm. of professional football when the passing game wasn't anything like it is now. That's a heck of an accomplishment. So we dedicate episode 290 to the golden arm. Johnny U, Johnny Unitas. Probably one of the, if not the greatest quarterback name ever, too. I mean, that is a great name. Absolutely. Oh, it's so... And and you just visualize the high and tight so quick. Yeah, the 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 black shoes, that terrific Colts uniform, which really hasn't changed all that much, right, over the years. What a quarterback! Family Broadcasting Corporation, in association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way! It is! It's good! Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, this one will be relived, Chuck Freebie. Forever! A hint of spontaneity on this episode is, should we start with underrated, overrated right at the beginning? We could, because I'm going to give you underrated Travion Williams. The Purdue big man had another great night last night. 28 points, some terrific passing. He had an assist on a Jaden Ivey slam dunk that was something to behold. And Ivey gave him one back, too. But Travion dominating in the paint last night. Michigan State just could not keep up with Purdue down the stretch. And the Boilermakers win it 75-65. So Matt Painter's team continues to play well. I think they're a lock for the NCAA tournament, probably right around a five or six seed right now. And Williams, a big part of that. I I think, obviously, Luca Garza is the Big Ten player of the year, and he's the best big man in the Big Ten. But Travion Williams, I, I would take Travion Williams over Trace Jackson Davis right now if I were building a college team. I think Trace Jackson Davis of IU might be a better pro player down the road, but I just like Travion Williams' game. And Dan Dockich was calling the game last night on ESPN, and he said that Travion Williams is the best passing big man in college basketball he has seen since Bill Walton. I can't disagree. He just has a great understanding of where everybody is on the floor. Isn't it great, too, to watch Purdue as the season unfolds, watching these young men gel together? 
Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what, I think you have to look at Jaden Ivey. I, I'm not going to necessarily name him as Big Ten Freshman of the Year because, to be honest, I don't follow the Big Ten all the teams as closely as maybe I should, but you certainly have to put him in the conversation. I, he is an explosive player. Now, he didn't necessarily have the best shooting night last night. He was just 4 of 10 on his shooting, but he still scored 11 points. He had some dynamic block shots. He passed the ball well. Just seeing Jaden Ivey raise his game up, even as the year has gone along, it, you know, kind of getting adjusted at first, hitting that big shot against Ohio State, and then trying to develop not only offensively but defensively. They're a fun team to watch. I enjoy watching Purdue basketball. I wish I could say the same of the team that will play tonight on 103.1 FM at 9 p.m. Indiana. Indiana. Man, oh, man, they take on Minnesota tonight at Assembly Hall. I wish I could tell you that, oh, you're you're playing at home. It's going to be just fine, and maybe it will be. We don't know what to expect out of Archie's team from game to game. I can tell you this much. They didn't look good over the weekend against Ohio State, but Ohio State will do that to teams. We we talked on Monday's episode, Ohio State being a, a number one seed right now in the NCAA tournament. Indiana, I saw last night, somebody had them right around a a 10 seed. Maybe, but they better finish strong, and tonight's a part of that. You cannot lose at home to a team that you're in contention with, like Minnesota. You've got to protect your home floor in these situations, and there's too many times this year where Indiana hasn't done that. 9 o'clock tip-off. You can hear that locally in South Bend, 103.1. Also last night, Ball State. Yeah, they, they lost to Bowling Green, 75-62. Unfortunately, Ball State's kind of a middle-of-the-pack team this year in the MAC. Uh, the MAC, the dominant team in the MAC this year is Toledo, and I would expect uh, that that's a mid-major that, that could make a, a little bit of a run in the NCAA tournament. They've got some pieces and while Ball State upset Toledo earlier this year, uh, they're just they're not really built right now for an NCAA tournament run. And I think there's that understanding in Muncie right now. In our neck of the woods, some uh, hefty snowfall yesterday, but uh, a couple of high school teams got together, anyways. Yeah, we had four. We had the only four high school games I think in the state mm. yesterday up here because, well. Credit to the South Bend City Street Department and the Mishawaka City Street Department in St. Joe County. They did a pretty good job of clearing the roads. They did. So, that said, uh, even though schools were closed around the area yesterday, we were able to have some high school basketball. There was a dandy game last night at the Cave in Mishawaka. You've got these two conference leaders. Mishawaka has already won a share of the Northern Lakes Conference title. Adams has a share of the NIC title. They can win it outright on Friday night. So they got together for a Tuesday night special over at the Cave. Adams, and I don't want to discredit Mishawaka's effort in this, but Adams just did not play well in the first half of this game. And they've had some slow starts this year. They did not shoot free throws well at all in the first half. And Mishawaka had a five-point lead at halftime, 27-22.
But then Adams really put the clamps down defensively in the second half. And like a lot of teams, their defense led to offense. Adams manages to outscore Mishawaka 19-5 to in the third quarter. Quentez Columbus had a huge quarter for the Eagles. He wound up finishing with 22. And Adams wins again. I believe they are 19-1 and on the season now as they triumph 62-52. And we will be showing them Friday night on TV 46 against the Notre Dame commit Blake Wesley and the Riley Wildcats. I have a nerdy broadcast question. Mm -hmm. You've got three games you're preparing for. Right. How do you do that behind the scenes? Do you do one full preparation game, move to the next, or are you juggling all three as you work your way? I'm juggling all three. Okay. I mean, it would be nice to be able to do them in order. But, for instance, Adams played last night. Okay, so they've got new stats today. Riley was supposed to play last night. And so I'll be checking in with both those coaches today to get keys to win. Now, the nice thing is I've already seen those teams play, so I've got a pretty good idea of what they do, but I still have to put together graphics and things like that. You kind of have to wait until the game's over so that you know all those things. Right. In the meantime, I can't wait until after I'm done with that game or after I'm done prepping that game to start on the next one. So I've already talked to three of the four coaches in the girls' games that I'm doing, um, I, I've put together charts on, I think, three of the four teams. So we're, we're getting there. Yeah. It's, it's Wednesday. I've still got a little bit of time, but there's plenty of work to do. Anyway, to get back to the boys' situation last night, uh, the other games in the area, the Notre Dame commit, J.R. Knesny of St. Joe, had 21 last night. I don't even think he played in the fourth quarter. And the Indians wallop to Bremen, 76-29. Concord gets on the road, comes over to South Bend, and beats Clay, 58-49. Derek Deshaun's team started the year 0-4. So they're 8-5 since that 0-4 start. Concord on the verge of hitting the 500 mark. They've got a game down at LaVille on Saturday. That'll be a good test for them. And then Bethany beat Jimtown, 57-49. The Bruins having a pretty decent basketball season. So that's the update on what happened on the Indiana side of the state line last night. There were a couple of games up in Michigan as well. Buchanan and Bridgman got together, and the Bucks win that one 61-46. And New Buffalo beats River Valley 79-60 in what must have been a very entertaining game. Yes, the Bison beat the Mustangs. <laughs> Let's sneak in some football news, college football. Trevor Lawrence, uh, the projected number one pick of the NFL draft, had his workout, uh, I would say, last week. In fact, uh, you remember Chris Fink, who played at Notre Dame? Yes. Chris Fink caught passes for him during this workout. I think it was a chance for Chris Fink to get in front of some NFL scouts, too, and maybe catch on with the team. So, And everybody wondered, well, why is Trevor Lawrence holding his workout so early in February? Well, the answer is because Trevor Lawrence has a problem in his non-throwing shoulder uh, that required surgery. I think he had a torn labor. So they did the surgery yesterday, and he's going to be on the shelf for four to six weeks, and he should be able to start throwing again in that time. He won't miss any training camp. If you're the Jacksonville Jaguars with the number one pick, 
maybe you raise an eyebrow a little bit, but honestly, it shouldn't affect him coming into the NFL. It shouldn't affect his ability to play because he had this surgery when he did. But that's why he had the workout so early so that he could get the surgery done so that he didn't miss any of training camp. Okay. So I don't think it'll be a major story for the draft, but it is something to kind of keep an eye on to see if Jacksonville backs off at all. I don't think they will. Uh, I think Trevor Lawrence is the guy that Urban Meyer wants. That's why he took the Jacksonville job. Now, the other question in the NFL right now is what happens with your boy Carson Wentz? And this question has been dragging on now for about a week and a half. It was rumored over the weekend, Corey, that the Colts had put together an offer to the Eagles, including a couple of number two round draft picks. So the Bears are another team that's in contention for Wentz's services. And so too might be the Denver Broncos. So the bit, I think the Eagles are sitting there trying to see how high they can get the bidding war to go to get Wentz. And the one thing Denver can offer the Eagles is they can send their current starting quarterback, Drew Locke, in exchange for Carson Wentz so that the Eagles are not sitting there without a quarterback right now. Um, although most people would expect the Eagles to lean on Jalen Hurts. After all, that's why they drafted him last year. The Colts seem to make the most sense, in my opinion, for Carson Wentz because, first of all, I think there's enough around him with the running game they have and the defense to kind of take the pressure off of Carson Wentz where he doesn't necessarily have to be a gunslinger. He doesn't have to kind of carry the offense. They have enough parts there, I think, where he could fit in. Secondly, Carson Wentz's former offensive coordinator with the Eagles was Frank Reich, who is now the head coach of the Colts. When I look at the Bears with Carson Wentz, and I think I've said this before on the Yak, I don't think that's necessarily an upgrade over Mitch Trubisky. But I don't think there's any chance after what Bears management said in their postseason press conference that Mitch Trubisky is back in Chicago. So would the Bears pedal Trubisky to the Eagles for Carson Wentz? If I'm the Eagles, and I know I'm not the biggest Mitch Trubisky fan, but I still hold him in a higher regard than Carson Wentz, who, A, took the most sacks last year. Now, that's not all his fault. That's an offensive line. But, but do you think the Bears' offensive line is that great? The answer is no. And B, threw the most interceptions last year. That's a problem. It's a little bit of a hot mess. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I am curious to see how this story winds up because, to me, this is the next domino to fall in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, you've got Deshaun Watson out there with the Texans. He wants to get traded. Texans have said, we're not doing it, but we'll see. And then there's the curious question of Dak Prescott with the Cowboys. Cowboys came out with this big hype highlight video. Dak Prescott wasn't part of it. So it makes you wonder, Ooh. are they ready to part ways with their quarterback or was just that a really bad oversight <laughs> or they, by or somebody? They had no highlights to put in the well, hype he video. Was, he was injured a lot of last year, but there yeah. was 
you would still find something. Did I see a tennis player blow a gasket on a highlight reel from yesterday? Was that yesterday? So, well, I don't know if this is what you're talking about or not, but here's an interesting thing that happened in this match between Ashley Barty, who is the number one seed on the women's side. She's playing Carolina Muchova. Now, remember, in Australia, it's the opposite of here. We're in winter, they're in summer. It wasn't an overly hot day in Australia. It was about 80 degrees. And Barty goes through the first set. She's up, I think, 2-1 or 3-1 in the second set. And Machova asked for an injury timeout. She's overheated. Her head's spinning. Uh, the doctor comes over. They wind up taking a 10-minute break in this match. And Machova comes back out and takes over the match. Winds up upsetting Barty in three sets. And I was watching ESPN last night after the Purdue game, and they were talking about this match and saying how unfair it was to Barty the fact that, you know, it's not like it's a 100-degree day. Right. They basically stopped the match, said, okay, well, this player obviously isn't in as good a shape as they should be. Let's let them have a rest and then come back out. Well, no. No, that's not part of playing tennis is being in the condition to play. And... Why should Ashley Barty be penalized because she was in condition to play right. and Machova wasn't? Now, you still have to you, – you've got to get out of your own head after that happens and Machova starts playing better. You've got to drop all the excuses and everything. If you're truly the number one seed, you should be able to overcome that. So Barty didn't and Machova moves on and she'll play – a relatively unknown American named Jennifer Brady. Brady is the 22nd seed. Machova is the 25th. That's happening on one side of the Australian Open women's bracket. Oh, by the way, on the other side, huge match tonight. If you're a night owl, stay up for this one. 10 p.m. Serena Williams against Naomi Osaka. Osaka has some Grand Slam titles. In fact, she won a U.S. Open the year that Serena Williams uh, basically received on-court penalties for racket abuse and referee abuse. And that was very controversial. So Osaka won the U.S. Open that year. Now you've got Osaka versus Serena tonight. Serena, 39 years old, but looks like she's in tremendous shape, taking on one of the new stars of tennis. Hmm. Should be... Should be a lot of fun. And then a big upset happened this morning. Rafael Nadal looked like he was in control of this match. He had the lead in the fourth set. But Cyprus, Stefano Cyprus, comes back. And the Greek upsets the second seed Nadal in five sets to win it and move on to the men's semifinals at the Australian Open. Are you ready to talk baseball? I'm always ready to talk baseball. You know what we didn't mention on Monday, but maybe we could do it here, is the name Jake Arietta. We didn't say a word about that. No, he's back with the Cubs. 
And and this is a big, big controversy for Cub fans. And I'll tell you why. So Jake Arrieta signs a one-year, $6 million deal to come back and pitch for the Cubs. And the reason it's a one-year deal is the Cubs want to see what he still has left in the tank. And he wants to see if he can recapture the magic that he obviously had in those golden years with the Cubs in 2015, 2016, when he was phenomenal. I feel like I haven't heard his name since he left. Well, he he just never really seemed to click with the Phillies. Okay. So there's some question as to what he has left. Okay. How old is he? 35. So it's yeah. it's winding down. Yeah. Okay. So you've got that, but you spent $6 million for Jake Arrieta one year. You do realize that John Lester signed a $5 million deal for one year with the Washington Nationals. Granted, $3 million in incentives, but you let John Lester, your workhorse, your culture changer, the guy that's been there who wanted to come back, and you told him, no, there's no money, you can't come back. And you actually spent more money for Jake Arrieta than you did for John Lester. And that's a point of contention for a lot of Cub fans. Mm. Now, if you're within the Cubs organization and you look at John Lester and you think, no, he's done, he doesn't have it anymore, that's fine. But if you look at John Lester's numbers compared to Jake Arrieta's over the last two or three years, I don't see how you could make that statement. So it makes you wonder what's going on within the Cubs organization and some of the decisions that they're making. Now, Jed Hoyer came out uh, the other day, kind of had a pre-spring training press conference. And one of the things he was asked about was Chris Bryant because there have been rumors throughout the offseason that Chris Bryant is going to be traded. And Jed Hoyer says, no, that's not going to happen. He goes, I'll never say never, but there, there's, no, there's no trade talk right now about Chris Bryant. He goes, it's, it's very quiet when it comes to that. Now, it's only February, and there's still a lot of time before the season starts in April. But I would think that Chris Bryant is going to be a Cub this year. Whether he will be a Cub after this year, I don't know. I I think there's some hurt feelings on Chris Bryant's side about how he's been handled by the Cubs and that he will probably pursue free agency, which might be the reason that he's on the trade block because if you're the Cubs, you'd rather get something for him than nothing. Did more than one Cub go to the Nationals, Chuck? Uh, Where'd Schwarber end up? Schwarber's with the Nationals as well. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jason Kipnis also left the Cubs. Now, he was only with them last year, but he is now going to be an Atlanta Brave. Cubs have, they're trying to figure out what they're going to do at second base. You're going to play Bodie there every day. You're going to play uh, Nico Horner there every day. Somebody else. That's a question they have right now. I think... Obviously, you're set with Contreras behind the plate, Rizzo at first, Javi at short, Bryant at third. Uh, The outfield, you have plenty of outfielders. I'm not sure 
any of them are that great, but you have plenty of outfielders. So Hayward's still a Cub? Hayward is still a Cub. So the biggest question on this team is pitching, and I'm still not – I still don't have any idea what they're thinking the pitching rotation will be, although obviously you've got Hendricks and Arietta and probably Trevor Williams, and after that, who knows. Now, they've got some young arms. They could use Alec Mills again. They could use Adbert Alzale, who spent time here at South Bend. But that's I think that's the biggest question for Hoyer and David Ross, the manager, is what the pitching is going to look like. All that said, there has not been a whole lot of great additions in the National League Central, the division the Cubs play in, other than the Cardinals picking up Nolan Arenado to be their third baseman. The Cardinals, I mean, Cub fans love Brian and Rizzo. Cardinal fans are going to love having Paul Goldschmidt at first and Nolan Arenado at third. Those are some pretty good power-hitting corner infielders. So I think the Cardinals are the team to beat in the National League Central. Uh, The Reds, Pirates, and Brewers all kind of in the same boat as the Cubs. None of them really made huge moves in the offseason. You go over to the American League and the White Sox, who had a very active offseason, and added a lot of pieces. Now, Minnesota still the team to beat in the AL Central. But, boy, I think the White Sox definitely get into the postseason this year, and and they're going to be a team to really keep an eye on in the postseason because they've got a loaded lineup. Uh, I've got a two-part question for you. I follow you on Twitter, Chuck, at 46 Sports. Yes, sir. Question number one, how is your... um, questionnaire going with Rizzo's home run numbers. Didn't you post that yesterday? How many will he hit? No. Over 22. That wasn't you? That wasn't me. Oh. Whoops. <laughs> it's what the edit button's for on this show. <laughs> I have a question for you about this Twitter that you do. Yes. One of our favorite accounts that we follow, Super Soul 70s. Oh, yes. Got himself the check mark yesterday. Did he? Really? Yes. Good for him. Thoughts? I'd like one, too. I, they say they're not doing that anymore, and then I see new check marks added. So somebody's doing it. I don't know what's going on. I would say Super 70 Sports probably has a lot more followers than I do. About 400,000 more. Yeah. But still, you have a very healthy 10,000. Okay. Very healthy. Active. We willing, are active. Willing to follow and read almost every tweet. <laughs> Unlike the one I thought you tweeted, it wasn't you. Are you sure it wasn't you? It wasn't me. Yeah, why would you have asked Thank a you, Rizzo Shaggy. question like it that? It wasn't me. Was it you? All right. Well, we've come to the end of that section, segment of this podcast. Here it comes. Oh, by the way, we could do a quick brush with greatness once oh, again. well, why not? Last night on NBC, Young Rock, the sitcom. yes was uh, broadcast for the first time. My wife mentioned, didn't we meet him? We did. We were in the back hallway of the University of uh, Notre Dame Joyce Center where he was taking on somebody, I don't remember who, but through different uh, channels, channels, we got to meet him, my wife and I. A private little, how do you do, signed my TV guide that he happened to be on that week <laughs> uh, because there was a WrestleMania coming up. And uh, the the funniest thing we walked away from was didn't bother with a shirt. Came you, out of the ring and walked back. 
If you looked like him, why would you bother with a shirt? It was it was early in his career when he, he was really turning up the heat, but he was he's not as chiseled as he is now, like yeah. right now. Okay, but, but he was still pretty beefy guy. Debbie, I'm sure, didn't mind that he didn't have a shirt. She enjoyed meeting The Rock. Yes. And seeing all the other people behind the scenes talking and gathering. Could she smell what he was cooking? She smelled something. (laughs) 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 Overrated, underrated. I give you Little Richard. Little Richard. Birthday today, right? Uh, He turned in an audition tape to a record label eight months later. They would get him out of his previous deal to sign him. Then the career took off. I was never a big fan, but I can't deny his influence on so many musical artists who followed. And so I'm I'm still going to go slightly overrated. Okay. But that might be more of a reflection on me than it is on him. Okay. Uh, I would uh, point you towards a fine cameo in Mystery Alaska <laughs> when he comes out to sing the national anthem and extends the song so the Rangers get themselves a little cold out on the ice. Have you ever seen Mystery Alaska? I have not. Really? You've not seen that with mm-hmm. Russell Crowe? No. I think you might like that movie. Okay. It's about hockey. Well, there you go. I give you Jimmy Fallon. Well, no, wait a minute. You didn't say what you feel I about agreed with you. Richard. I agree with you. Okay. Yeah. Jimmy Fallon started The Tonight Show on this day in 2014. First guest, Robert De Niro. Second guest, Justin Timberlake. My, what a run it's been. You know, it's funny. uh, NBC on Saturday nights at 10 usually runs an old Saturday Night Live. And by old, I mean like sometimes about 20 years old. Okay. And I think this past Saturday they ran one with The Rock the first time that he hosted Saturday Night Live. Um, So there was a skit involved. Oh, it was a weekend update. It was when Jimmy Fallon was still doing weekend update with Tina Fey. Okay. My goodness, what a baby he looked like. Yes. Was it the messy hair season? (laughs) Yes. And he just looked like, you know, he was probably fresh out of college or whatever. Um. Very talented performer. Uh, I I think I think he has publicized that sometimes he has to wrestle with his own demons and everything like that. Yes. Um, I'd say down the middle. I don't think he's underrated uh, by any means, and and you know he's made the transition to cinema pretty well. I mean, he had a couple of really good movies. Uh, I enjoy him. Um, yeah, I'd sit down the middle. I went through a phase where I watched every day because mm-hmm. I'd uh, I'd record it, and then when he shifted Tonight Show every day, and then and then there was really a a a, a seismic shift in just go to YouTube and watch the highlights, right? You know, the next morning, uh, and then COVID hits, and they all got to do their broadcast from home. I wonder if he got a little kick in the pants on like I've got to take my game up a notch, even though. This is a setback. Just being a little more creative, a little bit more. You don't have any choice, do you? Yeah. You know, you got to get people to watch still. There's right. advertisers that need to. I think, he's, I think he's lost his fastball a little bit. 
I think he thrives on the audience. Yes. And when there's no audience to react to what you're doing, that makes it very difficult. I wholeheartedly agree. I think he'll snap back out of it once you get some audience members in there. Right. And I think it's starting to build back again a little bit. But, yeah, I, I am in full agreement with you. Audience fuels his funny. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean that he's not able to do some good taped bits from time to time. Right. Um, I Actually, one of my favorite things that he does is the lip sync contest. Yes, those I, are funny. I think the and the reaction that he gets from celebrities from for those. I I don't think he's a great interviewer. No, he he's uh, no, he's not. He's a little he fans out too much. Yeah, a little too like. All right, calm down. You've met him before, you know. Although when he had Nicole Kidman on, one of the best moments ever. Yeah, and she broke the news to him that she really had a crush on him and wanted to go out with him when he was doing SNL, <laughs> and he had no idea. That is that is a great moment on that show. There's another one that uh, one of my favorite ones is when Prince died. Mm. He tells this amazing ping pong story between Questlove, him, and Prince. That's It's laugh out loud funny, and you can find that on uh, the internet machine. On the tube of you? It's there, yeah. waiting. Okay. All right. Now, we're sure he did that, and you didn't just imagine it like the Anthony Rizzo Twitter thing. No, it really <laughs> happened. It really, truly happened. I don't know what happened there. Uh, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Share with your friends that how much you love this show. Can we mention the uh, text you got? Somebody listens? or My buddy Jim Seitz, the principal at Adams High School, where we will be Friday night, he... He likes to listen to the yak, but then any night that there's a game, his sons ride with him in the car to the game, and they demand to listen to the yak. Wow. So he's willing to listen to the yak twice to not only take it in himself, but then share it with the youth of America. So, Which really, <laughs> quite frankly, is this is one of the great parenting moments that you can have right here. If you're listening to the yak... Please share it with the children. <laughs> share it. And if you don't have children of your own, just go into a random school okay, and go up to the principal and say, I'd like to share this with the children. Have them play it over the PA system. What? Oh, that was just my idea. You and I, he's the principal where? Adams High School. What's John Adams High School. Jim Seitz. Jim, a thought. What if for our 300th episode, which is a big milestone for us, what if the Sports Yak theme song played over the intercom at Adams as a celebratory tip of the hat? Can you imagine that in every classroom at Adams? I think Jim would be willing to do that on a Saturday. On a Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> One of the janitors can fire that up while they're not listening to this, guys. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga-looga, Johnny Unitas, and your buzz cut. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Jack. Sport Jack. Sport Jack is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done.